Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 13th episode of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Before we get into today's show, I just want to say that I'm very thrilled, very pleased, very thankful for the views that we got for last week's show. The views on SoundCloud alone have gone through the roof, not to mention YouTube and, you know, iTunes or anything like that, but just the views on SoundCloud. I said a couple of episodes ago that the views are going up every episode. And wow, I did not expect the sort of views that we got on last week's show. So thank you very much to anyone that listened to it and is back for for more this week. So thank you for that. And just before we get into part one on this week's show, just before we get into the review part, there's been a lot of focus on the fact that Anthony Joshua is now ranked number two in the WBC. What's your views on that, Ayaz? Because he was he was in number two position, the second position in the WBC before the Dillian White fight. So what's your views on that? Do you think that's a fair ranking? In my opinion, I think that's actually a fair ranking. Obviously, he just won from um, Dillian White, and before he just beat Dillian White, he just knocked. Sorry, he just knocked out Dillian White, and before that, he beat Gary Cornish. So he's got a very good knockout record. But in my opinion, I reckon he's all right. He's second in the WBC ranking. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, okay, he's knocked out undefeated Gary Cornish. He's knocked out undefeated Dillian White. He's knocked out everybody he's faced. And I do want to say, I do want to say. For people that are listening and are big Anthony Joshua fans, we are massive fans of Anthony Joshua on this on this podcast. But I just want to say, he's knocking out all these guys that are not ranked in the top 15, apart from Dillian White, but I don't even know if he was ranked in the top 15, to be totally honest. But he's a good fighter. Everybody knows that. Gary Cornish, well, you know, opinions are mixed on him. But he's putting away these guys in under three rounds, every single opponent. But he's facing guys that are not highly ranked, like I said. And he's putting them away possibly quicker than some of the top contenders could. That's fair enough to say. I think that perhaps if you had Vladimir Klitschko in there with all the opponents that Joshua has faced, he perhaps couldn't knock him out in, in under three rounds. That's, you know, I'm not taking that away from the man. But I don't think the opponents he's faced should place him in position two. And I'm not saying that he's not the second best heavyweight in the world in the future. He may be. I think he looks incredible. You know, we haven't seen any type of weakness. Remember, I'm talking about the fight before the Dillian White fight. I'm talking about before the fight took place with Dillian. I just want to review the fact that he's he's ranked two in the WBC. Um, I think that, yeah, we haven't seen any weaknesses from him. He looks absolutely unstoppable. He's He's a massive, massive athlete fantastic physique you know he's knocking people out within three rounds everybody he faces but I don't think for the opponents he's faced he should he warrants that type of high ranking that really top ranking um like I say I think he could go on to win world titles absolutely absolutely I think he he's you know he's a fantastic specimen of a heavyweight boxer in today's game but 
at the moment, he hasn't faced that opposition to put him in in number two, in my personal opinion. But like I say, again, you know, he's, he's knocking people out and he's knocking people out quick. And I don't think possibly no other heavyweight could have done what he's done. But I'm just saying, until we see him in there with stern tests, I don't think we can give him that high of a ranking. But I do think he's he is world-class and he will be world-class. But for people that are saying, and I'm sorry to disappoint, if you don't agree with me, then have your say. You know, you can tweet us. We're on Twitter. I'll gladly, you know, have a debate with you. But I think that for people who are saying, yep, he definitely knocks out Tyson Fury now, it's very, very, very early for them shouts. It is very early for them shouts. Like I say, I'm a fan of Joshua. I'm a big fan of Fury's as well, but it's too early for those type of shouts. Fury has defeated a world champion, one of the most dominant heavyweights of all time. You know, he beat him almost every round. Joshua, now I'm talking after the white fight, he struggled a bit with Dillian White. He found him awkward. This was someone who actually hit him back for for the first time in his career, you may as well say. You know, this was someone he struggled with. But I don't want to go too much into that fight because I'm going to review it properly. properly. So we're going to start now with part one. Sorry for that, that massive rant there. Well, it's not really a rant, but just giving my views. We're going to move over to Tuesday. This week, Tuesday, Chad Dawson picked up a win He's um he's fighting at light heavyweight now, of course, and he picked up a win over Shuja El Amin. Again, I'm not sure. I don't know much about that opponent, but Chad Dawson picks up his 33rd professional win. Keith Tapia moved to 17-0. and 0. That was also on the same card. Moving over to another midweek fight, Nanito Donaire picked up another win. That's win number 36 for him now. Felix Verdejo, he moved to 19 and oh, this week as well. Vic Darchinian, he picked up his 42nd professional win. His opponent, Chris Paulino, retired after the second round. He didn't want to come out for the third round. Also, Dion Juma, our very own Dion Juma, he now moves to 7 and oh. It was only a six rounder, but he picks up, and again, he picks up experience on the road. He fights a lot of fights you know, in different countries. So it's good to pick up this on-the-road experience very early on in his career. There was a upset, sort of, sort of, maybe, maybe no, maybe yeah. In Russia, in Moscow, of course, Roy Jones Jr. boxed Enzo Macronelli. This was Roy Jones's 71st professional contest. His record going into this bout was 62 wins and eight losses. Enzo Macronelli, 40 wins and seven losses. So these guys had, you know, almost 120 bouts between them. Enzo Macronelli KO'd, knocked out Roy Jones Jr. in the fourth round. Did you manage to catch any of this fight, Ayaz? Because I know there was a lot of 15-second clips of the of the knockout, of the finishing few punches on on Twitter. Did you catch any of it? Yes, I actually watched the fight, to be honest. And you know what? Enzo McAnella actually shocked everyone. Roy Jones Jr., wow. To be honest with you, um, it's very, it was a very good fight, yeah? Who would have thought it would be a knockout, Roy? To tell you one thing, Roy Jones Jr. is actually a legend, in my opinion, right, yeah? And he will go down as a legend. And to be honest, like, after the loss, he actually said that he's willing to continue in his boxing career. I thought he would actually give up. Like, I thought he'd, like, he'll, he'll say, yeah, I'm officially going to retire now. But you've got to be honest. Like, you've got to give him credit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are taking it away. You know, they're taking the victory away from Enzo because of how long Roy Jones has fought on for. 
in my opinion, he should have retired a long time ago. Remember, he was pound for pound number one a few years back now, quite a few years back now. And he's one of those fighters that's gone on for way, way longer than he should have. And to be honest, I think that these type of fights are destroying the legacy that he would have left if he retired years ago. So these type of fights are no good for his reputation. A lot of people will watch that fight. You know, there's a lot of people that have just become boxing fans and, you know, critic to you guys. Some people haven't been in it for as long as others. Some people have been boxing fans for 30, 40 years. Some people have been boxing fans for, for two or three months. You know, this is, it is what it is. But there's people that will watch that fight and go, wow, Roy Jones Jr. looked terrible. Who's he? But remember, he is one of boxing's biggest you know, biggest legends. And like I say, I hope he does get the credit that he deserves when he does retire. But it's a shame to see him box on a lot of people from not just UK, but also overseas were expressing their feelings on Twitter after the fight. You know, it was very sad to see a legend get get knocked out by Enzo Macronelli. But, you know, again, it's a win for Enzo Macronelli. And I think that people shouldn't take that away from him. He picked up a good win in Russia and Enzo Mac now moves to 41 and 7 and Roy Jones Jr has his ninth professional loss on his career but as you said he'll box on but Enzo Macronelli I do want to say he showed a lot of um nice sportsmanship good sportsmanship straight after the fight um he was he was there for Roy Jones there was a lot of pictures and stuff going on in the dressing room afterwards so I know that for him it was it was hard fighting someone he looked up to as he was coming up. So also, um, also on that card, Alexander Ustinov picked up another knockout. He now moves to 33 and one. He knocked out an old foe of Anthony Joshua in Konstantin Erich. Konstantin Erich now 22 wins, 15 losses and two draws. So Ustinov done a job on him in five rounds. Dmitry Chudinov, this is the guy who lost to Chris Eubank Jr. He now moves to 17-1. and one. Of course, that one lost to Chris Eubank Jr. Two draws as well on his record. He picked up a fourth-round TKO victory over Benjamin Simon, who had a decent record himself of 26 wins and two losses. That's it for Moscow. I just want to mention one fight over in Spain. This was in Barcelona. Kiko Martinez picked up his 35th professional win with a fourth round TKO victory over Miguel Gonzalez. Kiko Martinez just trying to get back in the picture after his devastating, as as some may say, his devastating loss to Scott Quigg. Alexander, or Alexander, I'm not sure how it's correctly pronounced, Usyk moves to 9-0. This is over in Ukraine. This guy really looks like a problem in the cruiserweight division. He picked up a seventh round TKO victory. So Alexander or Alexander, I'm just going to call him Usyk. Usyk moves to nine and O all nine fights ending in knockout. So he's moving up the rankings swiftly. He fought a guy called Pedro Rodriguez who had a record of 22 and one Rodriguez was down in round six and the TKO came in round seven. So another positive win for Usyk. I'd like to see him in there with some of our guys over here. Um, moving over to Lancashire now, Winter Gardens. Matty Askin picked up a win over Jiri Svatsina. That's just one fight on that bill that I wanted to mention. Now we're going to move over to the big one in the O2 Arena. 
London, of course. We talked about it at the start of the show. Anthony Joshua. Now, I talked about it for quite a long time, Ayaz, so I'm going to let you assess the fight. I'll jump in um, throughout what you're saying. But, yeah, if you just sum up what we saw from Anthony Joshua versus Dillian White. My God, what a tear-up. That's all I've got to say. Anthony Joshua could be fighting in a big... Uh, could be probably facing a big-name opponent next summer. What a fight it was. What a tear-up. I never thought like, I could say that this this fight was actually a tear-up. Yeah, it was. I mean, Joshua hurt Dillian White early in the first round, and he seemed to just tr- really try his best to get him out of there. I think Dillian White fought quite smart... Um, there's an injury, I believe Dillian White has now undergone surgery for a shoulder injury. I think it was his left shoulder. They never said anything about it in the build-up to the fight. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but he managed to, he had good feet in that first round. When he was hurt, he seemed to, you know, get out of there and, and, and stick behind the jab and keep himself out, out of range for Joshua. Um, so he managed to get into the second round and of course he caught Joshua with a shot to the temple and Joshua's legs went a bit heavy legged and he was in a spot of bother so it was a good fight it was it was quite a war but in the seventh round it was it was stopped really wasn't it you know the referee had no option but to stop it Dillian White was on the floor for about five minutes he had his arm over the rope he didn't really know where he was and um you know, he looked like he was in a lot of trouble there. So Anthony Joshua picks up a, well, that's his 15th win now. All 15 wins by knockout, seventh round TKO. He he now holds the Commonwealth, British and WBC international heavyweight titles. So he's got three belts now. Um, but yeah, it was a good uppercut that, that Joshua caught Dillian White with in the seventh round. Um Again, we saw that Dillian White came into this fight heavier than Joshua. Now, Dillian White is shorter than Joshua. We all know that muscle weighs more than fat. And for Anthony Joshua, who's much more muscly than Dillian White and much more taller than Dillian White, to actually come in less, you know, less weight than Dillian White shows that Dillian White was carrying a lot of body fat, a lot, you know, he looked a bit fleshy, even though he was better than the shape he was in in his last fight. He he still was very fleshy. And again, I just, I wasn't sure, but he did better than I thought he was going to do when I saw him in there. And I think he had a great second round. He tried to get Joshua out of there. And these type of fights build Joshua. These type of fights, I don't think that, in my opinion, I don't think that it's, it's such, it's all positive for the win. It wasn't an all positive win. We did see some chinks in Joshua's armour, but this is stuff that I'm sure he can polish up and come again. And to be honest, I'd like to see him again. We all want him to step up a little bit. I'd like to see him stepped up in the near future. I believe that he's going to be out in April. I think maybe mid-April, early April. And I think that's going to be at the O2 Arena as well. So hopefully we see him in there with with another stiff test. And I do, this is the first opponent. I think everybody will agree this is the first credible opponent. This is the first opponent that we thought it was going to be a decent fight. A lot of people thought it was going to be over in the first round. I don't think that was fair to dismiss um, Dillian White completely. I think he had a great chance. And it was brilliant to have him on the show last week, of course. It's a shame for him that he couldn't pick up the win. But again, Anthony Joshua, you know, he gets another knockout. So it'd be great to see who Joshua fights in his next fight. Also down that bill. Wow, wow, wow. 
Kevin Mitchell, Ishmael Barroso. Eddie Hearn made something of Barroso. You know, he said that he's a great fighter. If you haven't seen him, you can watch his clips on YouTube. Well, now everybody can see what this guy can do. Everybody who bought pay-per-view or watched it some other some other way has seen what Barroso can do. And it was pretty devastating, to be honest. It was in the fifth round and he knocked Kevin Mitchell out with a jab. Mitchell was down in the fourth round and he was down twice in round five, but the jab ultimately finished him off. And that says a lot, you know, Barroso, he really is a danger man. He now moves to 19 wins and two draws. Kevin Mitchell, 39 wins and four losses. Now he's been at, he's been, challenging for a world title on three different occasions I think it is now and you know it's, it's ended in in tears really it's ended in devastation all three times I feel very sorry for Kevin Mitchell I think you know he could have been a world champion and I think possibly now he's missed the boat he's been t- he's been matched against tough opposition and he's been the underdog each time so it's a shame really that he couldn't achieve his childhood dream but I hope that he can perhaps bounce back and even even capture the European title just you know just so that his career doesn't end like that because it was it was pretty hard to you know hard to eat to be honest. Oh, yes, what's your you know what's your assessment of that fight? Seeing Kevin Mitchell just you know just get just get beaten really. Do you know what he's actually in my opinion? I reckon he's a warrior. Like obviously, like he's had tough fights. He got this time he got beat by Ishmael Barroso. The last fight he had was Linares. That was at the Rue Britannia card. And I thought he was winning the fight until he got that cut. And then the referee had to stop it. Wasn't it cut? Yeah, his, his eye looked horrible, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I thought he was going to win that world title. Now, in my opinion, he's been he's been in some wars. And he's maybe thinking, is it time for me to give up boxing? In my opinion, it, I reckon he's probably... I reckon he's got one more fight left in him. And I reckon, do you know what? I'd like to see him... I like to see him fight Andy Crawler. Yeah, see, before the fight, I, I I do have to say I really like Crawler, but I thought that if he was to face Kevin Mitchell, I think I would choose Kevin Mitchell over Crawler purely just because I know that when it comes down to it, when Kevin Mitchell has to go to the trenches, he will go there, no problem. But after seeing this fight, I'm not too sure. You know, he just didn't see him himself. He got beat. And, you know, he got, like I say, he was finished off with a jab. And that's not the Kevin Mitchell that showed up for the for the Linares fight. He was he was a tough, tough man. But I think, I don't know if he'll ever get a world title shot again. I think he'll have to get a few wins to get back into into that type of fight. Because, again, Eddie Hearn has, has brought the champions over here. Especially, you know, the last two fights that, that, that Kevin Mitchell was been in for world titles he brought Linares over to the UK to defend his titles this time he's brought he's brought Barroso over again Barroso was the holder of the interim WBA world lightweight title but of course um, when he fought Ricky Burns that was over here of course it's gonna be because Ricky Burns is a Brit himself that was obviously in Scotland but again UK and also Michael Katsidis this was for the interim WBO and that was over here as well so each time Kevin Mitchell was fought for a world title it's been it's been in it's been on UK on UK soil so it's tough you know it's tough i think he's going to have to win a few more fights for Eddie Hearn to think about paying someone that type of money to come over here again you know because let's have it right i think Kevin Mitchell in that last fight he just had there, 
with Barroso. He just didn't look himself and he looked like he was past it, like father time caught up with him. I don't want to say father time caught up with him, but, you know, he's been through a lot of wars now. And that Linares fight, I think that that was one of those fights where it can sort of make you or break you. And it's it's come late on in his career. Remember, he's been in a lot of fights. He's been in 42 fights. Now he's been in 43, you know. And he's just been, he's had some tough fights. He's been, you know, matched hard. And I think that that might be the last of Kevin Mitchell. But if he does come again, I would love him to achieve it. You know, I want the British boxers to do well. So I'd love to see him achieve his lifelong ambition. But we'll see. We'll see. Moving down that bill, Tony Bellew was on the card, of course, as well. He fought Mastanek. So Tony Bellew now moves to 26-2 and two with the one draw. He's now the EBU European Cruiserweight Champion. So hopefully we see him in a big fight next. I think that that's what is being talked about. Also, there was a massive, massive, massive upset. Luke Campbell losing to Even Mendy. So Luke Campbell was 12-0. and 0. He's now 12-1. and 1. And Even Mendy picked up his 33rd professional win. This was an upset, a big upset. Remember, Luke Campbell is a 12, 2012, should I say, 2012 Olympic gold medalist and a big prospect for Eddie Hearn. So Campbell was down in the fifth round from a left hook. And yeah, he lost on a split decision. To be totally honest, I think he should have lost unanimously. But one judge gave it to Luke Campbell. I thought that he would actually get the win, to be honest, when it comes down to the scorecards. But the right man won, in my opinion. And Mendy made it very hard for Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell just seemed to not be able to set himself. We know what Luke Campbell can do. We know he's a special fighter. No one wins a gold medal by luck. And he just seemed to, I don't know, he just couldn't find his range properly. And he seemed to be getting hurt by even Mendy, I think even Mendy's one of those guys, he hasn't necessarily got knockout punch power, but every punch he throws, you know about. And I think Luke Campbell, for the first time in his professional career, was a bit, you know, he didn't really know what to do. He didn't really know what to do. Again, a lot of people criticize him. They say he still fights like an amateur and he hasn't fully developed into fighting like a professional should. And we'll have to see what the future holds for him because Eddie Hearn did say straight after the fight that he's going to be in another top fight, another tough fight like the one he was just in against Mendy. To be honest, I'd like to see the rematch. But again, everybody has their bogeyman. Everybody has their bogeyman that they don't, you know, they don't look spectacular in front of. It's just a bit of a shame for Luke Campbell to have met perhaps his bogeyman this early on in his career but yeah I'd like to see that rematch now we're moving down the card and again this is a guest that we had on last week Chris Eubank Jr faced off against rival Twitter rival Mr Gary Spike O'Sullivan Gary Spike O'Sullivan was pulled out of the fight by his corner so they retired him after the seventh round he didn't come out for round eight Uh, to be honest he caught Chris Eubank with a few really good shots quite early. Um, He he was catching him with the left hook a lot, which was interesting. Um, With power as well, but Chris Eubank Jr. managed to soak it up and come through this fight. And again, I think he's sort of, he's the real deal. I know that we haven't seen him fight anyone of note up until Billy Joe Saunders. And then he got beat by Billy Joe Saunders, but he was very, very close. I was there that night. And of course, Gary Spike O'Sullivan, this was another you know, this opponent was deemed a credible opponent in, in Spike O'Sullivan, of course. 
and he come through him pretty easily, a lot easy, a lot more easy than people suspected or people people thought beforehand. I personally thought that it was going to be points, Chris Eubank or knockout Spike O'Sullivan, but. Again, retiring on your stall, it wasn't really his choice. It was the choice of Packy Collins in the corner. But they're doing what's right for their man. And I've got no problem with that. But that's a good win for, for, for Chris Eubank Jr. And again, his combinations are really good. And when he boxes, I think he's fantastic. And to be honest, I did, I did want to say um, the winner of this fight is apparently going to be facing Danny Jacobs in the next fight. So I'd like to see... Chris Eubank Jr. faced Danny Jacobs more than I would have liked to have seen Spike face Danny Jacobs because I think Spike's a little bit more one-dimensional, really, really lovely guy, really nice guy. But I think uh, Chris Eubank Jr. has got a lot more tools in the toolbox and I think he'll be able to deal with other people that bring more to it. I think Spike's more of just a puncher. Uh, you know, his boxing ability, his boxing ability probably isn't one of his strengths. And if he if he lands on you, you're gone. But I do think that Eubank Jr. has got a lot more skill and he could deal with a lot a lot of different opponent styles. So it'd be interesting to see him and Danny Jacobs, whether that happens or not. I'm praying it does. But also Mick Hennessy has announced that it's been called that Nick Blackwell is supposed to face Chris Eubank Jr. No one thinks this is going to happen, but some people do. So we'll see what happens with that, because I personally don't think that's going to happen. And if that did happen, I think Chris Eubank Jr. would win. I think that Mick Hennessy has gone on record and said that Nick Blackwell is the best middleweight in Europe, I think he said. I'm sure he said that. I'm not, not 100%, but I'm sure he said Europe. He either said Europe or the world. So... That's an interesting thing to say. Also on that bill, future legend Mr. Paulie Malinagi picked up his 35th professional win. This was for the vacant EBU, EU, European Union welterweight strap. So Malinagi now, you know, now he's got that, that belt. That's another belt to add to his collection. He faced off against Antonio Moscatiello. Again, Moscatiello was very, very tough. We didn't know much about him over here. His record was 20 wins and two losses with the one draw. He's now got three losses. But yeah, you know, another win for Malinagi. He wanted to get a knockout. I'm not sure where his future lays. He's he's had a lot of fights at world level. And now he picked up the European strap, which he's wanted for a long, long time. So at least he achieves that. But he didn't face the guy he wanted to face. And Moscatiello came in at a late replacement. But a good win for Malinagi. He practically won every single round. But unfortunately, he couldn't get a knockout. We know he's only got seven knockouts in his 35 wins, which is equivalent to one in every eight wins does he get the knockout. Also moving down that build, Derek Chisora, he picked up a third round TKO victory over Jakov Gospic. Again, Jakov Gospic had a record of 16 wins and 13 losses. I don't think he was gonna, he was gonna, you know, give any problems to to Derek Chisora. But Derek Chisora took him out with a right uppercut in the third round, and he now moves to 24 wins and five losses. Derek Chisora, I think that because he's just he's just signed with the Sourlands, I think that they will probably look to match Derek Chisora against David Price in some sort of UK-based 
show in 2016. I would like to see that. What do you think about that fight, Ayaz? Right now, we know that Derek Chisora, he's been, he's been beaten up badly by Tyson Fury. We know he's gone through a lot of hard fights, Derek Chisora. How do you think he would do against probably one of the most um, non-confident heavyweights in the world at the moment in David Price? Right now, if they fought tomorrow, who wins? David Price, Derek Chisora, and why? David Price or Derek Chisora? Oh, that's a tough one. I'd probably give it to Derek... In my opinion, I'd probably give it to Derek Chisora. This is the reason why. Um, with David Price, he had that record. He's knocking out people, yeah? But then when he fought a person that was like literally a bit more level than him, yeah? He got knocked out by Tony Thompson. And then, what happened, right? Yeah, he had a rematch and he got knocked out. And then he came back from a long-term... I think wasn't a long break. And then he fought this Eric Tepper and he got knocked out by him. Well, he picked up a couple of wins after the Tony Thompson... Number two, yeah. he 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 signed with the Sowlands and he got a couple of knockout wins and he looked to be back on form sort of thing. But when he stepped up for the European title, yeah, he got knocked out by Tepper, yeah. And that was a big knockout. I remember watching that. I thought he was going to beat Tepper, but Tepper knocked him out. But again, Tepper's a good fighter. But I just think Price, when it comes to the big occasions, when he's got the big opportunity for a big for a big win and a, uh, and a decent man in front of him for the win... You know, a decent fight. Again, obviously, Tony Thompson twice and Erkan Tepper. He seems to not be able to perform the way he does. I think he's a good fighter, but I think he's got confidence issues. I really do. And if he faced Derek Chisora, it's a really good fight, you know. I mean, they're both of them are not the top heavyweight guys in England, in my opinion. We've got Tyson Fury. We've got Joshua. We've got Huey Fury. We've got other guys coming up. Dillian White now as well. I think that these guys are kind of the yesterday men of the heavyweight boxing at the moment. But one of them, if one of them beat the other one, they they could possibly go on to achieve something again. It could be like, you know, like a spring, a spring sort of effect. You know, one of them's going down almost like a seesaw. One of them's going down and one of them's going up, you know, but the loser really is in the dirt sort of thing. I don't know what they're going to do with their career. It would be a tough fight. You know, it would be a tough fight. It'd be, like I say, it would be interesting. I think David Price, of course, he's he's a lot taller than Derek Chisora and he struggles with tall people. He struggled with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's good at fighting inside. I think that David Price isn't as good as Tyson Fury at fighting inside. I think it would be better if David Price kept it long. And I think that if he stuck behind that jab, he would cause Chisora a lot of problems. And I think if he caught Chisora with a good right hand, like we do know David Price possesses, he could possibly get Chisora out of there. But Chisora, if he came, if he came in, you know, quite light, and he came in good shape for this fight, by the way, if he came in quite light and he... You know, he he brought that relentless pressure that we've seen him bring before. I think he'd have a good chance of overwhelming David Price. And I think perhaps David Price could fold under that pressure. Because, again, like I say, when he's in a big fight, we just he just doesn't seem to perform. And if Derek Chisora brought it to him and he, you know, he's swinging in those big Joe Frazier Joe like punches, he could perhaps unsettle. Uh, David Price and and maybe even knock him out. So it would be really interesting. I'd like to see that, and hopefully Sauerland can can get something on in 2016. Um, moving over now to 
America, we had a couple of fights over there I want to mention. Omar Figueroa, he was out again. He picked up his 26th win. He's still unbeaten. 26 wins, no losses, and one draw. He picked up a 12th round unanimous decision victory over Antonio DeMarco. DeMarco now 31 wins, six losses, and the one draw. And also... Victor Ortiz was on the bill. Victor Ortiz picked up a TKO in round eight. The guy he was facing had a record of 33 wins and 13 losses, now 14 losses. He was down in round one, and I think he was also down in round three. But ultimately, the TKO came in round eight. So Victor Ortiz looked pretty good again. He said he's back to take over the the you know the division this was at 154 so it's interesting to see Victor Ortiz up at 154 but we'll see what he can do up there because to be honest I don't think he can hang with the top boys I think they've put him in there with an opponent he was going to walk through and he's done so and I don't think you can take him very serious when he says he's here to take over the division you've got to remember that there's a lot of good talent at that division at 154 but yeah, Victor Ortiz picks up his 31st professional win. He's got five losses and two draws on his record. And now the last fight I'm going to mention on this part of the show, this was also on the same bill. This was over at San Antonio, Texas on the undercard of the Figueroa and, of course, the Ortiz fight. Chris Ariola stepped in there against Travis Kaufman. Chris Ariola moves to 37 and four with the one draw. He picked up a split decision win over Travis Kaufman after 12 rounds. Ariola was down in the third round. Travis Kaufman was an old sparring partner for Chris Ariola, and Travis picked up his his second loss of his career. So 30 wins for Travis Kaufman and two losses, but it was a good fight and it was a little bit controversial on the judges scorecards. That's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, that's it for part one. And we're going to bring on our first guest, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Travis Kaufman. Travis, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys having me on. No problem. No problem. Now you were in a big fight on the weekend against Chris Ariola. Tell me a little bit about that fight, Travis, because it was very close. You knocked Chris down in the third round. I mean, what's it like from your point of view? Uh, well, you know, um, I feel I did enough to win the fight. I feel I dominated um, from round three to nine. Uh, I dropped him in the in the third round, um, and then I dominated from the from third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round was a little close. Seventh, eighth, and ninth, I dominate. I dominated. Uh, the tenth and eleventh round, I took off. I took off because I felt I can I had. I was so far ahead on the scorecards, I can't take off. I took off because I don't want to – it was my first 12-round fight, and I don't want to go out there and get caught with nothing stupid. You know, Chris is very heavy-handed, and uh, I just felt I wanted to make sure that I looked impressive the last round. I thought the last round was the most important round. Um, I felt like I, I had it in me to be able to take off. I thought I was so far ahead on the scorecards that I was able to take off. Um, unfortunately, you can't leave nothing in the judges' hands. It was a lesson learned. Um, I take nothing away from Chris Ariola. He came out there to fight. Um, I, I don't think he, you know, before the fight, Chris Harrell was talking a lot of junk, saying I won't fight him. I beat Chris at his own game. His own game is normally backing people up. Um, Chris couldn't fight backing up. And and so I thought when the judges would see me backing Chris up, a guy who's used to backing people up, they would say, well, Chris isn't even fighting his own style. He's not, he's out of He's out of his element. Um, like I said, I thought I did enough to win. The, the entire world knows who I am now. Um, something I wanted to do, and I, and I got that recognition. Um, however, it would have been much better to get the, the win on paper. 
Um, but I didn't. Uh, I'm not mad. Um, I, I could hold my head down and pout and moan about it, but I just got to keep moving forward. Now, of course, you've got a very credible record, 30 wins, um, 22 of those wins coming by way of knockout, the two losses. The first loss you picked up early, early on in your career against Tony Grano. I know you've been chasing the rematch with him and he didn't want to fight you. Will you be chasing the rematch with Chris now? Oh, I definitely want the rematch with Chris. Um, you know, I think Chris, you know, Chris is a personal friend of mine. I think he's willing to take the rematch. Um, but I think I think Chris is going to cash out. He's going to have a big fight and he's going to cash out. Um, and, and Chris has made a lot of noise in the heavyweight division. Um, he was the, at one point, he was the most talked about American heavyweight fighter there was. Um, unfortunately, Chris blew a lot of his opportunities. Um you know, I went out there to make a statement. I believe I made a statement. Unfortunately, I got the loss. I didn't get the victory. Um, I would love a rematch. If not, there's going to be bigger and better things happening for Travis Kaufman in 2016, whether it's Chris Ariola, whether it's Anthony Joshua, whether it's uh, Alexander Povetkin, whether it's Deontay Wilder, you know, whatever it is, I think I made a, a big enough impact um, this past Saturday night to, to let everybody know who Travis Kaufman is and that I'm a force to be reckoned with. Chris Ariola got a gift that night. He got an early Christmas present. And, and, you know, hey, it is what it is. You know, I, like I said, I'm going back to the drawing board. I want to train train my ass off. And I'm going back to uh, doing everything I have to do to to, to improve. Um, you know, I, I, every day is a, is a I'm learning. Every day, every day I'm learning. And the minute I stop learning is the minute I stop boxing. And now, of course, we see a lot of boxers get a loss and then sort of you know, dropped down, but this was literally, you know, very close. I know you're not going to, you know, you're not going to sit here and start slanging the judges or anything. You say it's a close no, that, fight. You think me. you won. Yeah, no, I think it was a close very... fight. I, I think it was a close fight. Um, however, I, I think it was a close fight, but I feel like I did enough to win. Um, after this, before the scorecards were read, I thought I was up eight rounds of four. I was counting in my head, like, all right, I lost the first two rounds. Third to ninth round, I thought I won. Um, 10th and 11th round, I clearly lost. 12th round, I won um, that, because I hurt him real bad, and I thought that did enough to, to win that round. However, they didn't give me the 12th round, which made the difference in the, in, in, uh, the scorecards. Um, like I said, I, I take nothing away from the judges. They, whatever they've seen, they've seen it their way for a reason. Um, I'm not here to bash anyone. I'm here to, to make a statement in this division, and I did that. Even with the loss, I made a statement. Um, I, I want to get back and, and fighting by you know March, April, April, March, uh, March or April, and then, um, you know, see what else Al Heyman has for me. Now, of course, not too long ago, you linked up with well-known, well-respected, well-renowned boxing trainer Nazim Richardson. How is that link up for you, Travis? How is it fighting under someone with such, you know, fantastic boxing knowledge? Uh, well, me, I knew Nazim since I was a kid. I met Nazim when I was like 13, 14 years old. Me and his kids, uh, Rock and Tiger Allen, came up in the amateurs together. Um, I always had a massive respect for him because everybody he's ever trained became something, whether it was an amateur or, pro or professional. Um, his Both his kids made it to the Olympics. Um, his nephew was an Olympic alternate. I mean, his, his cousin, uh, Carl Dargan, was an Olympic alternate. Um, and, and I just always loved – when I was an amateur, my father taught me everything I know. Um, but before I ever turned pro, I always talked to my father about finding another trainer, whether it be Nazim Richardson or Barry Hunter. Um, who trains Lamont Peterson and Anthony Peterson, they were always the, the two talked-about trainers I would love to work with if it's not going to be my father. Um, you know, my father taught me everything I know. However, Nazim 
is teaching me how to use what I do have. Um, Nazim, I think the best thing that Nazim has to bring for me is he, he helps me believe in myself. Um, he helps me um, put the tools I do have and put them together. Um, you know, he hasn't changed anything about me. There was nothing that he changed. He just took whatever I had and enhanced it. He made me use it a little more than what I was doing in the past. Um, so everything I, I was ever taught was from my father. Now, Zim is just help, showing me how to use it correctly and at the right times. Yeah, very, very, very much respect. Very, very much respect for uh, for Nazim. Now, of course, there's been a bit of talk that you supposedly want to fight Anthony Joshua. Is there any truth in that, Travis? And, you know, look, the reporters make things up. I never said anything about fighting Anthony Joshua. Would I fight him? you damn right I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I'll fight King Kong, anybody the same day. I'm a fighter. So if I would say I wouldn't fight this person, I shouldn't be in that ring boxing because then I don't believe in myself. I'd fight anybody. Um, however, there was a story that was wrote, written that I never even – and said I wanted to fight Anthony Joshua, but however, I will fight Anthony Joshua. I'd fight him in England, in the UK. I'd fight him in in America. I'd fight him anywhere. So it wasn't nothing about me calling Anthony Joshua out. Someone asked me, hey, would you fight Anthony Joshua? I said, yeah, I would fight him. I'd fight anybody because if you're a boxer and you say, no, I wouldn't fight that guy, you shouldn't be fighting. You shouldn't be a boxer. You shouldn't claim to call yourself good because if you, if you turn down a fighter if you, or, if you're, if, or if you turn down um, – someone that that is in your way then then you shouldn't be fighting that's a fair point now it's been made recent headlines david hayes made a comeback what's your views on that travis do you think he can get to the top like he was like he was at before or do you reckon it's too late i'm a a huge fan of david Hayes. i think david hayes very slick he has fast hands and he can punch um and he also has quick feet his reflexes are very sharp um and, and it's taking care of his body, um, which is a huge plus. Um, I, I like David Hay, and I think David Hay can still, um, you know, make some noise in the heavyweight division. Um, I think that he he can still beat, you know, some of these guys. Uh, like I said, you know, I respect everybody who opts in the ring, and, and especially a guy like David Hay who uh, who 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 has made a lot of noise in in, in the cruiserweight division and came up and fought heavyweight. Um, I actually had him. To beat, I, I thought he could beat Klitschko, but however, you know, he didn't. He didn't fight the way he was supposed to fight when it came to fighting Klitschko. And are you happy talking of Klitschko? Are you happy with uh, the result? You know, he got beat by Tyson Fury. Is that good for you? Do you like the fact that that his his reign think, is over? I think it's great for the heavyweight division. I think, um, I think you know, it's it's change. Um, I don't think. I don't think much of Fury. I think he's very exciting as far as, you know, people are, people love hearing him talk because he's a great talker. Um, he's, a, he's entertaining, but he's a very, 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 very – here's how I called that fight. One, one fighter was scared, and the other one was glad that the other fighter was scared. When him, and Fury, when him and Klitschko fought, Klitschko was scared, and Tyson Fury was glad that Klitschko was scared. And, and, and Fury got the win. Uh, congratulations to him. Um, you know, he's a man of God, which I am as well. So, of course, you know, I'm uh, I'm grateful that, you know, the heavyweight division, it opens up huge opportunities. I don't I don't see Fury holding the title very long, um, but it opens up huge opportunities. I think he beats Klitschko in the rematch. Um, and, and it's just, you know, I, I think it helps the heavyweight division so much because you had a guy like um, Vladimir Klitschko who dominated the division for 11 years. Uh, you know, now it's, now it has new, now you're going to see new faces, new opportunities, new people 
who are going to fight for them for those titles. Absolutely. Um, now, if in 2016 we were to see a clash between a unification fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, who would you back to win that fight? I- Look, I, I don't care who to win that fight because um, none of them, none, none of them are putting money in my pocket. But I, I honestly think uh, Black, uh, Wilder, Wilder knocks uh, Fury out. Um, I, you've seen Fury got dropped by by Steve Cunningham, who who is a who's a great friend of mine. But Steve Cunningham isn't no puncher, um, and and he was dropped and he was hurt. But he got up and he just became a giant against Steve Cunningham and dominated him. Then and uh, I I pick Wilder in that fight. Fair enough. A lot of people would agree. Now the last question I want to ask you before I let you go: Who is your favorite UK fighter in history, past and present? The your uh, favorite one, any weight? Easy, easy. I was just talking about this as a prince. Not seeing my med. Do you know every single person I ask this question from the states? They all say Prince Nassim Hamed. <laughs> it's getting uh, boring asking the question enter- now. He, he gets very entertaining. Uh, he's very entertaining. Um, I mean, he was he was he was entertaining. Number one, and the man was amazing. I mean, you know, unfortunately, Marco Antonio Barrera uh, uh, exposed him and pretty much ended his career. But the career he did have, the short-lived career he did have. have he made a huge name for himself and 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 changed the game of boxing. You know, he made it more flashy. Now you have these guys who are going out doing all these little things. Not as good as it. Not not as good as Ahmed, but but you know, he he he. For me, he's one of my one of my one of my favorite of all, of, of all time. <laughs> okay, now Travis, can you just let everybody know your Twitter name because I don't feel that you've got enough followers on Twitter right now. So I, I mean, think you, you can fo- give everybody you can follow- your social network names. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at mytime underscore champ. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. I have a fan site on Facebook, which is Travis Mytime Kaufman. Um, so, yeah, be, be sure to follow me. Stay tuned in my career. 2016 is going to be a huge career. I promise that in 2016, I will be fighting for one of the titles. Wish you absolutely all the best with that. Travis, it's been absolutely my pleasure having you on the show. I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you very much for coming on, like I say, so close to you know your fight. And I wish you the best of luck for 2016. Have a good break over Christmas. And hopefully we'll have you on this show again one time. Uh, hopefully so. And I, I will be talking to you guys soon. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two of the Box Hard podcast. Um, This part is called the preview part where we preview the fights coming on this week. I just want to mention, because we got this show out a little bit later than expected, I was going to talk about this fight as a preview, but the fight has already took place now. Shane Mosley had a random fight in Panama. Uh, That's took place now. So rather than talking about in the in the preview part we're going to just say what happened because it's it's already taken place now but yeah Shane Mosley picked up another win this is this was a random fight in Panama I don't I think it sort of went under the radar I didn't hear much about it I'm not sure if you heard anything about it I has but now Shane Mosley's picked up his 49th professional win. It was a TKO in the last round, which was the 10th round. It was only scheduled for 10. Uh, Lopez was knocked down in the second round as well. The guy he fought, the guy he fought's name was Patrick Lopez. He had a record of 23 and 5. But anyway, Shane Mosley's new record, 49 wins, 9 losses, and 
one draw. So that's it, really. So now we're going to move over to the preview side of things. We're going to start with a fight that's taking place in Canada on Friday. Tashin Dong. Big Dong, they call him. He's a seven-foot heavyweight. He's now 5-0. and oh. He looks to move to 6-0. and oh. That's against a guy called Daniel Arambula, who has a record of 3-1. and one. But it's interesting seeing someone of the stature of Tashan Dong. Like I say, seven-foot tall. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a fight that's taking place on the Friday. Joseph Diaz is also on that bill. He looks to move to 19-0. and oh. His opponent hasn't been announced yet. And Oscar Torres is also on that bill. He looks to move to 8-0. Heading over to Las Vegas now, Denis Shafikov fights for the vacant IBF World Lightweight title. Shafikov now has a record of 36-1 with one draw. And he faces Rences Bartholemy. Bartholemy 23-0, unbeaten, unblemished record there. So that should be an interesting contest. Moving down that bill, Mickey Bay, he faces Niam well, name Nelson, name Nelson. So Mickey Bay, 21 wins, one loss and one draw. Name Nelson, 12 wins, unbeaten with the one draw. Also on that bill, Ishe Smith. Ishe Smith now 27 wins and eight losses. He faces off against Tommy Raynone. This is in the 154 division. Tommy Raynone, 24 wins, six losses, one draw. So a couple of Mayweather fighters on that bill, of course, Ishe Smith and Mickey Bay. Is Mickey Bay still um, under the Mayweather promotion, Ayaz? Mickey Bay? Yeah. I'm not quite sure about that, really. Yeah, because I, I know that there was a lot mentioned about him before, but I don't I haven't really heard anything lately. I know Ishi Smith is, I know that Ashley Fiafane is and Badu Jack and people like that, but I haven't really heard much about Mickey Bay recently, so I'm not sure. But I'd imagine if they're both on the same bill, it's something to do with Mayweather, so I guess he probably is. Also on that bill, I just want to mention Fabian Maidana is on the bill. That's the brother of Marcos Maidana. So Fabian Maidana, again, just like his brother, he's got a big punch. He is 8-0 and at the moment, unbeaten. He faces Virgil Green, who has a record of 11-3. and So Fabian Maidana is definitely one to look out for, a good fighter, just like his brother. But again, he's younger. And he hasn't had a you know a very long a very long career so far. It's just eight fights in, but interesting. Definitely keep an eye out for that. Also moving over to Finland now, Robert Hellenius, he comes back for a fight. This one's for the vacant EBU European heavyweight title. This is the title that was held by Derek Chisora. Then Tyson Fury beat him and took the belt. Then Tyson Fury moved on to world title level and that was the end of that belt I think he he you know he just let it go so this is this is for the vacant belt Robert Hellenius was supposed to fight Erkan Tepper who we talked about earlier in the show knocked out David Price but I'm not sure why but Erkan Erkan Tepper has pulled out of the fight I'm not sure why as I said and Franz Real has jumped in so I don't know much about Friends Real, but his record is 11-0, and 0, so unbeaten fighter. And of course, Robert Hellenius, 21-0, so this should be a decent little scrap. That's the only card in Finland, and that's the only one worth mentioning. Moving over to the big bill now in Manchester. 
Liam Smith defends his WBO World Super Welterweight title, also known as Light Middleweight title. He defends against Jimmy Kelly. Now, Jimmy Kelly has a record of 16-0. Liam Smith has a record of 21-0 with one draw. I don't know. I'm not too sure on how genuine the bad blood is between these two guys, but they seem to be going at each other. I know that there's been a few times that they've met up this week for media obligations and Jimmy Kelly said a few things and Liam Smith said a few things. I think they come to some sort of head to head and there was a bit of pushing with the head going on. So a bit of bad blood there. But like I say, I'm not sure how 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 genuine it is. I'm not sure how, you know, how serious it is. But yeah, nonetheless, that's a world title fight and hopefully Liam Smith retains his title. Also on that card, Liam Williams. He faces Chris Castle or Liam Williams looks to move to 13 and oh, he's got the one draw. Of course, this is for the vacant British and Commonwealth um, light middleweight belts. Jack Catterall is also on the bill. He's now 13 and oh, he looks to move to 14 and oh, he faces no Nunes, no Nunes with a record of 15 wins and two losses with a one draw. Jack Catterall. I as Jack Catterall, what do you think about this guy? Because I know that he's done a lot of sparring with the likes of Floyd Mayweather, with the likes of Canelo. Big, big, big future for Jack Catterall. How do you think he will do in that division, in the 140 division? Obviously, the 140 division, I reckon he'll do very good in that division. He's, if he's got sparring with Mayweather, oh, that's, that's, that's a stepping stone, isn't it? Yeah, um, of course, you've got, you've got the likes of, well, Terence Crawford hangs around that weight. You've got the likes of, um, well, Danny Garcia has just moved up, but there's still a lot going on in the 140 division. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully big future ahead of Jack Catterall. Uh, Tommy Langford, he's on the bill. He looks to move to 15 and 0. Mitchell Smith, he's on the bill against a former sparring partner of his, um, Mr. George Jupp. I know that those guys have got some sort of hatred for each other. I've seen that there's been a lot of back and forth. Mitchell Smith at the moment, 13-0. and 0. George Jupp, 12-2. and 2. Vijender Singh, he's on the bill as well. He looks to move to 3-0 and 0 in three fights. This is, of course, the, the Indian superstar, the Bollywood star. Also on the bill, Joe Selkirk, he looks to move to 14-0. and 0. Anthony Yard's also on the bill. He looks to move to 4-0. and 0. So, yeah, a few few names on that bill. But, of course, the top of the bill, the main event, I left it till last, Irishman Andy Lee, possibly one of the biggest punchers, one of the biggest punchers pound for pound in boxing, in my opinion, faces off against Billy Joe Saunders. Of course, Billy Joe Saunders with probably his best win over Chris Eubank Jr. Andy Lee, 34 wins, two losses and one draw. Billy Joe Saunders, 22-0. and 0 unbeaten this is for andy lee's wbo world middleweight title talk to me i as oh that's a that's a it's, it's known as the battle of the travelers right yeah in my opinion this is gonna be a very good fight obviously billy joe saunders we just see we've seen him fight a uh, very good fight he's got the he's beaten the likes of gary spike or sullivan he's obviously beaten the likes of uh, chris eubank jr andy lee he's fought the likes of korobov uh julio Cesar chavez which he lost to uh, Brian Vera, I reckon this is a very good fight. Yeah, a lot of people, to be honest, are going for a Billy Joe Saunders win, but I, it could, it's in my opinion, I reckon this is a fifty-fifty fight. Yeah, it is a fifty-fifty fight. That is that is something that I can't disagree with. 
Um, again, obviously, Andy Lee being the southpaw, being the tall, rangy guy, perhaps doesn't box as well as Billy Joe Saunders. I think Billy Joe Saunders is more complete in terms of boxing skills. But of course, we've seen Andy Lee in the last few fights he's in, including when he won the world title. Everybody he fights, he's kind of a slow starter. He lets them take the lead. He's also been in a little bit of trouble. When we saw him fight John Jackson, of course, we had Julius Jackson on the show a couple of weeks back. His brother, John Jackson, put Andy Lee in a lot of trouble. And then suddenly, Andy Lee just found that punch from the gods and just knocked him out, knocked him clean out. We do know that Andy Lee possesses devastating power. But of course, Billy Joe Saunders is a really, really good boxer, really good fighter. And he seems to beat a lot of unbeaten guys of course Andy Lee's not unbeaten but he rises to the occasion I think Billy Joe I think he's one of those fighters that uh, if he's put in there with an opponent who's not so great he won't fight so great I think if he fights a good fighter he'll fight good I think that's just the type of fighter that that Billy Joe is so I think he'll thrive on this and I think that oh god how how am I going to pick a winner on this Ayers I'll let you go first who would you pick to win this fight I know as you said it's a 50-50 but who you got? I want Andy Lee to win it, but in my opinion, I've got a feeling Billy Joe's is going to win it on points. You reckon points, yeah? Yeah. This is going to a points win. Yeah. Do you know what? I think, I think I'll think i have to agree. I don't think Billy Joe will be able to knock Andy Lee out. But, yeah, I reckon I reckon Billy Joe on points. And I do, I really do like, like Billy Joe. I'm not going to say who I you know, who I do want to win or who I don't want to win. But I really do like Billy Joe and I think that he will win, put it that way. Now, we're going to move over to the card in New York, of course, on this weekend. There's a heavyweight clash, a, a decent heavyweight clash. It's for the interim WBA world heavyweight title. This is the belt that Luis Ortiz, the Cuban Southpaw, 23-0 and unbeaten fighter holds. Uh, he faces off against Brian Jennings. Brian Jennings, Philadelphia's very own skilled heavyweight. 19 wins and one loss. And that one loss on Jennings' career, on Jennings' record, was to Vladimir Klitschko. So there's no shame in that whatsoever. So this should be this should be a real, real tough test for both guys. I think Luis Ortiz, this is probably one of his toughest fights. I think this is Brian Jennings' a really good test for him. Brian Jennings struggled quite a bit with the Southpaw in Mike Perez. Of course, we saw that fight. It was it was pretty it was pretty hard for Bryant Jennings, although he pulled through and got the win. But I think Luis Ortiz is a big puncher. I think he's maybe not as skilled as Mike Perez, but I think he will be able to give Jennings a lot of trouble. I think he's again a better athlete. I think he lives the life better. And I think He's going to be a bit tougher to work out for Bryant Jennings. But nonetheless, that'll be a great fight. There's a few names on that card as well. Nicholas Walters, again, a fantastic fighter. He's the Jamaican super featherweight. He faces off against Jason Sosa. Nicholas Walters' record at the moment, 26-0. and 0. Again, we know he can punch as well. Really, really, really can punch. Jason Sosa... 18 wins, one loss and three draws. So that's on the undercard. Also, Josh Clotty, he faces off against Gabriel Rosado. Gabe Rosado now 21 wins and nine losses for Gabe Rosado. And Joshua Clotty, 39 wins and four losses. That's in the 154 division. A lot going on in that light middleweight division this weekend. That's a 10-rounder. Also moving down that bill, Uriorkis Gamboa. He's out again. Again, 
he faces Hillen Williams. Now Gamboa twenty four and one, and Hillen Williams sixteen and one with a one draw. But we've only seen Gamboa once since his big loss and his big. You know, he'd never been down in his career up until that point, but he faced off against Terence Crawford, and Terence Crawford just absolutely well, he battered him really, and he made Gamboa look very average. So Terence Crawford, that was only in 2014. It was only last year. We've only seen Gamboa fight once since that fight, and that was in June, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was in June of 2014. So we've seen the one fight come back, and we've seen Gamboa get a knockout in the sixth round. That was in 2014 as well. So Gamboa's been out the ring for a year, but I really think he is a false and I think he's a big problem in that lightweight division. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, because like I say, he lost pretty bad. He come back, he fought a guy who he was supposed to beat. He beat him in the sixth round by a knockout. Williams Jr. now, who he faces off on Saturdays, no joke. So this should be pretty interesting. This is one of those make-or-break fights for Gambar, in my opinion. Uh, is there anything else to add, Ayaz? I know that, of course, this week it's come out that George Groves is now being trained Nobody knew who he was being trained by after leaving Paddy Fitzpatrick. It was all a bit of a confusion, but now we know he's linked up with Shane McGuigan, which, of course, David Hay has done recently as well. So both of these guys now training with Shane McGuigan, who, of course, is the son of Barry McGuigan. Shane McGuigan really got a right little stable now. He's got Carl Frampton, the IBF world champion. He's got David Hay, the ex-world champion. He's got... Uh, George Groves, who, of course, challenged for a world title on three separate occasions. But again, both of these fighters were Adam Booth trained, weren't they? You know, we had George Groves and uh, sorry, George Groves and David Hay, who are good friends outside of the ring, both trained with Adam Booth. Now they've both left him, both gone on their own paths. And now they're both being trained by the same man again. But this time it's Shane McGuigan. What's your thoughts on that, Ayaz? I reckon Shane McGuigan... Very, he's like 25, 26 years old, but he's a very good trainer. And if you see him, yeah, look at the way he's built up Carl Frampton and made him into an IBF champion. Yeah, he's actually younger than Carl Frampton, which is which, which I think is a bit of a rarity in boxing. Usually, the trainer is older than the fighter, but he's actually younger than Carl Frampton. And because they're around the same sort of age, I think they get on really well. I think his bond with Frampton is really one of the most nicest bonds we can we've seen really in world boxing to be honest they really get on really well and it'll be interesting to see how George works with him because I know that George you know he I thought he didn't I thought he'd done quite well with Paddy Fitzpatrick but I'm not sure because there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been reported but again it'll be interesting to see how he gets on with Shane and it'll be interesting to see how David gets on with Shane so um, is there anything else to add or is that the end of part two there's one thing. It's the sports personality of the year this Sunday, isn't it? Right, yeah. I'll let you speak about that. Of course, you know, Tyson Fury, he's a contender to win it. A lot of people don't think he should be in the run-ins. A lot of people think he should. There's mixed opinions on everything about it. But yeah, what's your views on that, Ayaz? Do you think some of the stuff he said should, you know, should make him not be able to to be a contender to perhaps win that award? Or do you think... At the end of the day, it comes down to personality and probably no other contender has a personality as big as Tyson Fury's. It's sports personality, isn't it, yeah? 
So sports and personality is completely. They say a lot. I know. I've I've seen a lot of videos. They say sports and personality is completely different, isn't it? Like Fury has done something what um not uh, what any boxers hasn't done for the last ten years by beating Vladimir Klitschko, right? But a lot of people are gonna um a lot of people are gonna dislike him for what he said in the uh, for what he said in the public for what he said in the media, isn't that right? Yeah, and again, I think. I mean, I'm not sure because I think what he said has been took out of context and it's a shame because right now, if anybody thinks about Tyson Fury right now, I mean, I was speaking to my nan the other day. Now, my nan doesn't follow boxing whatsoever, but she now knows who Tyson Fury is, not because of he won the world title, but because of all these bad comments. And I was having a conversation with her. But again, it's like people are knowing about Tyson Fury for the wrong reasons when I think they're trying to take the shine away from him for winning the world title. You know, I think he's done a massive achievement. But again, this this award is not for sporting achievement of the year. It's for sporting personality of the year. But again, I think he'd win both those awards because no one has a bigger personality in boxing at the moment, I think, than Tyson Fury. I know that in UFC, they've got people like Conor McGregor, but... In in boxing, I think that Tyson Fury's really done a lot. And I think his personality, whether you agree with it or not, whether you think some of the things he says is stupid or whether you think some of the things that he says is, is intelligent and clever, you agree with him or you don't agree with him. The award is for the biggest personality, isn't it? The sporting personality of the year. He's got a big personality. I don't think no one can disagree with that. So it'll be a shame if he doesn't win it, but I hope he does win it. And I think that's it for part two. Okay, now it's time for our second guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the renowned number one heavyweight in America. People just don't want to realise this fact. Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, man? I like that introduction. That was nice. You like that one, yeah? Made me feel really well, real welcome here. I appreciate that. Now, Eddie, earlier on in the show, we spoke to Travis Kaufman. I know that you took to Twitter about your comments on the fight. Do you think he got robbed? I thought, honestly, I thought he won the fight. You know what I mean? It got a little closer at the end, but I felt like throughout the, the whole fight, he controlled the action for the majority of it. Uh, landed, obviously, the more telling blow that for the majority of the fight. Also uh, dropped uh, Areola early on, which... You know what I mean? Could have, you know, he could have, you know, stopped it. I mean, I don't know. Ariel is a very tough guy, so he's got to get up and keep going fighting no matter what. But I felt like Travis uh, should have definitely got the decision. But this is boxing, you know, the judges saw it differently than I did. Now, I know that you have caught up on the pay-per-view card that was over here the other day, Anthony Joshua against Dillian White. What's your thoughts on that fight, Eddie Chambers? Um... It was, a, it, was a, it was an entertaining fight, you know, to say the least. Um, you know, I thought Dillian gave a good account of himself. You know what I mean? He came out, you know, to win, not to lay down like some of the other opponents had. You know what I mean? Uh, and, of course, he believed that he was going to win the fight. So that's what made it really, really interesting. I thought that it was a good chance. And I was hoping anyway, you know what I mean? Because, you know, Dillian's like, man, you know, I was hoping that he was going to be able to pull it out. But, you know, going in there with a guy like Joshua, you know what I mean? Big athletic uh, uh, talented young fighter. You know, I mean, it's it's you know it's hard to imagine him losing. You know what I mean for most fans. However, Dillian and, and some other people, other folks, other fighters see that there are flaws that he has. 
you know, that athleticism and that side isn't going to, you know, last for the rest of his career. But even if it does, there's still a lot of mistakes that he makes at this point that can be exploited. That's why he needs more time to really become that elite talent that people are making him out to be now. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're really so willing to rush, you know, a young fighter because, oh, they want to see the finished product. They want to see him, you know, do all these great things. And everybody's so, they have so much admiration for him, and that's great. But he still needs to develop. And if he gets in there with, you know, some, some, some talented, uh, experienced fighters, he's going to have trouble. As you see, even with Dillon, Dillon is not as experienced as he could have been. Maybe if he was more experienced, <laughs> he might have had the success that could have landed him a win in that fight. But um, he was just a little bit, at, you know, at times, too aggressive and, uh, and, 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 you know, threw certain punches that maybe weren't, you know, the right punch at the right time. You know what I mean? Maybe veer from the game plan a little bit, him and John Banks had, um, you know, just because he saw an opportunity and, you know, he wanted to jump you know, jump on it with both feet. But, um, you know, sometimes in those fights, you have to, you have to understand you got to be patient, especially if you got a guy in front of you like Joshua. you got to be very patient. Your time and your opportunities will show themselves. And, like, the one when he landed that good left hook, you know, off, I think, Joshua's right hand, if I'm not mistaken, it was, you know, it was a good shot, and he should, he did, and he took advantage. He tried to at least take advantage to uh, get a little wild, a little crazy, because you look at that opportunity, like, I'm about to get the champ, the, the main guy out in the second round. Wow, big. Big, uh, the Olympic champion out in the second round, that's a big big opportunity, a big thing for me. So, But sometimes you got to relax, you got to take your time and go about it the right way. I don't want to bring too much light to it, but I know that straight after the fight, Dillian White has undergone some sort of shoulder operation. So I know that oh. no one said anything about that coming into the fight, but I think he went into that fight with an injury. But again, oh. I don't know too much about it because Jonathan Banks didn't really want to comment much after the fight. Right. Well, you know, you know what? It's like, you know, we all have little. And, and as a fighter, you know what I mean? You're never completely 100%, you know, going in there. But when you have those kinds of injuries and you want to make the fight no matter what, you don't want to take a chance on losing this opportunity. You know, sometimes we make those decisions. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, some of us. Make uh, uh, use those uh, make those decisions, and they try to use that as an excuse. But I commend Dylan for you know never even speaking about it, not going into full detail, saying, "Oh, that was the reason I lost. That was the reason I lost." No, you know he, he took his loss like he was supposed to, you know, like a man and like a real fighter, and, and and wants to come back. You know, maybe he'll get an opportunity later on in his career, or you know, sometime down some way down the line to get the rematch or the turn match. But uh, as a whole, for the fight, I thought Anthony Joshua did some good things. You know what I mean? Show some uh, flaws and some some vulnerability, but you know what I mean. What young fighter wouldn't? Uh, but I was I was impressed uh, in, in in certain instances with the things he was able to do and what he's able to do. You know, as as a uh, as a guy that big. So you know what I mean. He did some good stuff, but at the end of the day, there were a lot of opportunities for Dillian, and Dillian had you know he took them as as much as he could, and um, you know it didn't you know the ball didn't bounce his way to this time. Now, Eddie, I know that you have said a lot of things about different fighters in the division. I know that you've said um, some stuff about Wilder before. Apart mm-hmm. from the Furies, what other heavyweights do you personally rate? Um, oh, you already know. <laughs> you already know. Uh, well, like I said, Anthony Joshua is not a bad fighter. Yeah, he's, he's got some talent, size up. You know, uh, let me think of it. The guys out there. 
Uh, you see, uh, you know, up and coming American guys. I want to, you know, speak a few about you know, a bit about them. And you know, you got, uh, of course, you got the B.Y. Jennings, and you know, of course, Water being the champion. You got Charles Martin. Uh, you got uh, Gerald Washington. Yeah, it's not so much that I rate these guys so highly, but um, for you know, they they they've done some good things. I've seen some positives in their fight recently. I'm talking about the uh, American guys as well as, uh, you know, obviously some of the U.K. Uh, heavyweights out there as well. You know, we got, uh, you know, you got, like I said, Anthony Joshua, you know, Dillian, you know, obviously those two. And, you know, of course, Hay is still there. Of course, you got the uh, world champ Tyson Fury out there. I mean, for the, mo- for the most part, the names I mentioned, along with some other names that are coming up, you know what I mean, uh, with the, like with the B.Y. Jennings and uh, um, Luis Ortiz fight coming up, we're going to see another somewhat separation in, you know, the elites coming up, coming, uh, coming soon. Cause I think a lot of these guys are, are fighting. Like we see it. Charles Martin, I think is now fighting. Um, uh, what's the, what's the cat's name? Uh, Glasgow. 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 Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. You're going to, and then that's, I think that's for, uh, uh, Tyson, uh, Tyson's title to be, to be perfectly fair because it was stripped from him from, for whatever reason, uh, we're not even going to go into it. I'm not going to play that political thing right now. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, he was stripped of that, of the title. And so that's going to be, so this is what we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of these things. And, and you know, with Tyson, with Tyson winning the fight with Klitschko, it kind of opens the door in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of the organizations want their titles, I guess, to be kind of freed up. You know what I mean? Because we want to kind of get some excitement behind the division, more, more, more uh, legit champions, I guess. You know, more fight, more fighters becoming uh, world champions, uh, which, which now, you know, shakes up the division. You know what I mean? So, um, It'll be, I think, I think, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. But those guys that I mentioned, for the most part, are the ones that are obviously ahead of the class. You know what I mean? Beside myself, and I can't, I can't forget to mention Malik Scott too. Um, you know, getting himself back into the mix. Obviously, one of the more talented, skilled uh, heavyweights out there too. So there's, there's, there's a lot of ones, and there's some that we don't even talk about that are out there that are that are making their way up. So it's, uh, it's, it's like I said, the division is going to be real hot real soon. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to being a part of it myself. And now, of course, back to your career. Let's talk about your career. <laughs> um, That's all. I like talking about everybody else. Forget me. I'm not that important right now. Oh, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> but, but listen, I, I just want to say it before I move on to your thing. Malik Scott this week has said that he wouldn't mind fighting you. That's some. That's a. That's a tweet that I didn't like reading. But I mean, what do you make of that? No, I mean, you know, he sees how difficult things have been for me as well as to get, you know, proper fights, you know, big fights and things like that. He was saying, well, look, you know, if money's right and everything's right, we come together and, and you know what I mean, and do something special and get these other heavyweights something to look at, you know, as far as skills are concerned, then he'll be willing to do it if I can't get another guy. But obviously, you know, we would hope we wouldn't have to do that. But at the end of the day, you know, it, I commend him and appreciate and for noticing and acknowledging the difficulty and how hard it is to get proper fights in this division, you know what I mean? Because it's not so much just about, you know, fighting, you know what I mean? It's fighting and winning. It's about keeping yourself in a position for the money. And a lot of these guys are looking and they're saying, well, if I do take this risk, what kind of reward will I get if it doesn't go my way? And they're looking, well, he's not going to pay me a lot of money. It's not like I'm going to, you know, sell out any arenas because I'm fighting Eddie Chambers. So, you know, I fight Eddie Chambers and 
you know, possibly lose the fight or not look good, then what happens? You know, what do I get for that? I don't get any money, and I'm supposedly losing to somebody who's done because of my recent career, and, oh, he only fights bums now, and, you know, you know, all of the naysayers, you know, they'll have their little things. But, um, so when you look at that, when you look at it like that, these guys are looking and saying, hey, this, this fight is really not even worth the risk. Not even that they don't believe they can win, but they just say, well, this guy has elite talent. You know, maybe he is done, but maybe he's not. What's the point in risking that and, and, and your guy and their guy losing a fight and putting them at the back of the line again? You know what I mean? And I think, I think that's what, you know, where the difficulty's coming in. And that's why I think Malik was saying, they stepped up to the plate and say, hey, look, you know what I mean? If you can't get one, man, we'll, we'll do something. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll, we'll put something together nice for, for the fans that really get a chance to really see something good, you know, for a change. So, I mean, I, like I said, I commend them for it. You know what I mean? I, obviously, that's my man anyway, so, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you know, if it, if it helps and we can come together to something good, you know, I'm, well, I'm sure we're both more than willing. We've already stated that. So, you know, it'd be, I think it would be a good thing. Okay, a couple of things that I need to ask you because um, we ain't got all the time in the world, but I want to get through a few things quickly. Um, of course, when you signed with Al Heyman, was the you know was the journey plan to you know perhaps fight Deontay Wilder sometime down the line? Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't that they mentioned that. You know what I mean? Nobody, nobody ever says you know says anything like that. You know, I mean, obviously they'll say, oh, well, you know, get a title shot. Not necessarily at who, but a title shot if you get in position. So, I mean, but that's something I've, you know, I've thought about and we've obviously talked about and planned for. You know, anybody who's world champion, you've got a plan for. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I've already fought for the title once. I've been up to the upper echelon, you know, for years. So I should be able, I should be preparing for that. You know, nothing less. Not saying just for one guy in particular, but still at times thinking about how it would be to face him. So of course that has been in my mind, but not necessarily mentioned like that. You know what I mean? There's obviously situations where he was looking for him an opponent and things like that, and you know we were preparing if, if there was a possibility of that fight coming up. Who knows? You know we thought of it you know a million times, but obviously you know it's unlikely that you know we get that call. But if you do, great. If not then we just get ready for the next person that's in our way. And of course, you fought a lot of guys recently in the last, well, the last year or a bit more than that. Um, And people are saying, oh, you've been fighting bums. When will we likely see you in with someone who perhaps, you know, we will all know? Because I know that, I just do want to point out that you yourself, it's not really your fault that these fights ain't coming off. You don't want to be fighting the type of opposition that you have fought. You want to be fighting in bigger fights. I know that much. But right, when will looking. we see this? When will we see well, that well, that type of fight come? Well, well, honestly, hopefully, next fight out, I'll be able to do that. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, if, if it was up to me, you know, I'd be fighting guys that could kick my behind just as easy as I can kick theirs. Because that means you know you're at that level and you need and, and, and you're being tested. And you expect and actually to me it's easier to fight them, I'm not saying that they're easier fights, but it's easier to fight them because the expectations are at a different level. Now you're expected to go in there and do your best 
not expected to go in there and just knock out these guys so easily. You know what I mean? So a lot of times we're not fighting. The top fighters especially, we're not fighting the, the opponent necessarily. We're fighting ourselves and the expectations that we have to face every night out. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, for me, fighting these last six, seven fights that I've had from last year to this, it's it's been difficult, not just because, oh, I'm not getting the big money or, you know what I mean, the exposure, which I've, you know, I got, I actually got decent exposure in the UK. No, not decent. I got great exposure in the UK. UK fans obviously uh, have been great to me, and I look to come back there soon and obviously, you know, see my friends and, and, and family, you know, with Furies and, you know, Dave and all the guys over there. And, of course, my man that I'm on the line with right now, Joey, got to go see my peoples. But, um, the the like I said, the U.K. fans were great, and I got great exposure, but it's not, like you said, it's not necessarily my fault or our fault, our team's fault, that we couldn't get them. It's like, like I said, it's hard to land those kinds of, uh, those kinds of opponents. And, and to, and to fight those lower level guys, those journeyman fellas, like we gotta, there's a lot of expectations. If you're going to fight somebody like that, you better be not, you better be knocking them out in the first round, or you better be doing this. So you better look so impressive that it's just like unbelievable against them. You know what I'm saying? I would much rather be in front of somebody who I don't have to worry about the expectations so much. I don't have to worry about, you know, somewhat, somewhat saying, okay, look awesome. Because I'm going to try to look awesome no matter what. But at least when the pressure's off in my mind to, to not have to knock someone out in a few rounds, to match up with another upcoming opponent maybe that he's had that I may want to face down the line. Those things are harder to deal with been dealing with the top guy because the top guy you just get in there and say okay well win lose or draw I'm happy with, with you know what I mean with the outcome you know as long as long as I've given everything I have you know what I mean but like I said with the lower level guys it's a lot tougher you know what I mean it's a lot more expected of you. Okay, Eddie. Now you know. Thank you for for going into that, and um, of course we well, we hope that you get these big fights that you should be in in 2016. So do you predict that to be a good year for you? Honestly, I've done that before. <laughs> and to be fairly honest, uh, it haven't turned out that well. I, mean, I think the best year I've had fighting was 2009, and that was when I beat uh, Samuel Peter and Alexander Dimitrenko that same year. Um, and honestly, I had no predictions and no cares about what happened. I just went out there and fought. I'm going to try to do that same thing for the rest the rest of the time here, I'm just going to try to enjoy myself, enjoy the sport, enjoy the fans, enjoy my friends and all the people that I've dated in boxing and in boxing. And uh, then, you know what I mean, once once I'm through and once I, you know, I've done all I can do, can't get any better, then I'm walking away from it. But 2016 is going to be another year that I've been boxing. And to be honest, you know what I mean, they all haven't been great. There's been a few that have been cool. You know, like I said, in 2010, I fought for the title, but it wasn't a great year. Fought once, lost, and I wasn't happy with that. Made a decent amount of, you know, made a decent amount of money, but so what? At the end of the day, if I would have won that fight then, I would have said that was, you know, that was an all-time hobby, being a world champion, but I, but I haven't been. I haven't been yet. So, you know, uh, like I said, going forward to 2016, I'm just going to compete, be, be ready to compete. You know what I mean? Hopefully I get a, a top guy in there soon. You know, I'm going to give it uh, everything I got this year. And hopefully somewhere hopefully it works out. And um, the reason why I haven't, I mean, I ain't even really got to explain it to you on, on air, but yeah, the reason why I haven't had you on, 
any sooner than this is because, you know, you didn't have anything coming up. But I did catch up with you, obviously, over the phone straight after the Klitschko uh, Fury fight. But it's the first time you've been on. But, um, you know, I speak to you almost every day anyway. But you've, you're on our intro every show. I gave you a good intro when I brought you onto the show. So yeah. I want you to give the listeners a good outro and a good reason why they should come back next week. Oh, it's for you? Of course. Oh, man. Well, listen, i give it to you like this. I've met a lot of good people, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of boxing folks here. They're really, really, really into the sport, really love the sport. And this guy right here, Jerry Colston, is, is probably, you know, right up there with some of the some of the best ones. A good friend of mine, and I haven't even known him that long, but uh but a, and not only that a student of the game, understands it, loves it, wants to be there, willing to do the legwork to talk to the major folks in the box in box. Also obviously he has two connects, you know, me and the other guys that he knows that are that are named guys in sports get these connects, but you know, he, like I said, he's, he's the kind of guy that uh, strives for excellence from what I've seen. You know, what I mean, I'm proud to say he's a good friend of mine, and I'm also uh, proud to say that he's, he's going to be a good uh, broadcaster maybe one day. You know what I mean? He's got this uh, his blog thing working and the interviews and all that, but you know that can that can be that can small something bigger. So please tune in every show that I've seen and I've got. Uh, uh, window has been great. They had some top fighters on. You know what I mean? Obviously, this guy's made some good relationships over time with, uh, with some, some, some great athletes. So, got to tune in next week for sure. Thank you very much. So, yeah, if you didn't listen to the whole thing, um, what I will translate from what Eddie's saying is in one word, in one sentence, I'll say, Come back next week, or Eddie Chambers will kick your behind. <laughs> <laughs> Is that safe to yeah, say, Eddie? Yeah, these size twelves. These size twelves. That's right. <laughs> so that, that's twelve. That's twelve US. That's twelve UK. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, Eddie Chambers, thank you very much for coming on the show. Like I said, thank you for being, you know, part of the intro every show. It's a pleasure to speak to you, and I wish you all the best for 2016. I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate it. I'll be on any time. All you got to do is let me know. God bless. My man. Okay, now that concludes episode 13 of the Box Hard Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests that came on this week's show, Mr. Eddie Chambers and Mr. Travis Kaufman. We have to do things a little bit different here in order to get people's ears and get people's attention, get people to listen to our show. We reach out to international boxers. We're the only podcast in Britain that reaches out to this many boxers from overseas. So like I say, you've got to do something a bit different in order to keep people's attention. It's been an absolute pleasure bringing you the show this week. We reached out to two um, American heavyweight boxers that are in the limelight and in very different situations and probably the first show they've ever been on together. So it's been an absolute pleasure. Like I say, we're now on SoundCloud. We're on YouTube. We're on iTunes. Please find us any questions, any shout outs, anything that you want to talk about, please reach out to us on Twitter at box hard podcast. So next week we will have a little show where we will review the fight coming up this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about the big middleweight clash, Mr. 
Andy Lee against Mr. Billy Joe Saunders and the undercard and any other fights that, that take place on this Saturday. So thank you very much. I'm sorry that we got the show out a little bit late this week. But yeah, come back next week. It's going to be the Christmas special show where we're going to review those fights. We won't be doing any previewing, so it's only going to be a short show. But uh, we'll be back in the new year, of course, as well. So, yeah, please tune in next week for the small little review part. We'll make something of it. We will get a couple of guests on. It's all about the numbers here. It's all about the viewers. It's all about the listeners. So thank you very much for listening this far. And we'll see you next week. God bless.